In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Light was separated from darkness, land from sea, and all manner of living creatures filled the world. Among these creations, God made man and woman, instilling in them his breath of life, and all was good. Yet, in pursuit of their own desires, they strayed from God's path, and sin entered the world, fracturing the perfect unity once known. As generations passed, this brokenness persisted, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Yet, in the midst of this separation, God's love never wavered. He promised a savior, a king. And so, one became flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus Christ, the light of the world, stepped down into a world of sin to guide us back to the Father. Through Christ's grace, hope was reborn and the pathway to salvation was open to all who embrace him. In him, we find the promise of redemption and eternal life, extended to every heart ready to believe. This is the gospel according to John. Good morning, Rock Bible Church. Merry Christmas. I told you, I told you we're going to do Christmas all year long. I've managed to keep the decorations on stage here at church, and so far we still have the decorations up at home, so we're on a roll. We'll see how long it lasts. Um, Happy New Year. First Sunday of the year, and you chose to come to church? What's wrong with you? There's so many other things you could be doing today. Yeah? We are starting a new series today. That's probably why you're here. We are going to get into the book of John. And I love the bumper that we just watched because it referenced a bunch of things. You see the hand grabbing the apple? What was that? Uh, That's a reference to what? The fall, Genesis, right? And then there was a quote from a verse, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's a little bit tougher reference. Anybody know where that came from? It's uh, Romans, right? So we've got reference to Genesis, the very beginning, and the First Testament or Old Testament. Then we've got a reference to Romans, which would be theology, Paul, And I was thinking, you know, beyond that, there's all kinds of stuff in between there and after. We've got kings and priests. We've we've got Levitical law. You go after it and you've got a couple other different apostles that write. And then you've got this revelation. And how do you make sense of it all? Right. Like if you were going to start reading the Bible, where would you start? Maybe Genesis. Right. It's well, but it's all. There's so many different kinds of things. There's poetry, there's stories, there's logic. I think the book of John is the great culmination that draws all of it together, wraps it up like a nice present with a bow on it. Merry Christmas. <laughs> right? So we're going to get into uh, to the Gospel of John, and we're going to go, as we do in, in tradition of our church, uh, a passage at a time, work our way all the way through the Gospel of John. It's going to take a minute or two. In fact, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll make it about halfway through John 1 today. It, some of the passages are long enough as a chapter that we're going to split them in half because I want to make sure we cover as much as we can and fail to miss things. How about that? Because uh, I'm good at missing things. Anybody else? 
Welcome to Rock Bible Church. We're a Christ-centered, biblically-based, compelling, casual community, compelling ourselves and others to Christ in casual ways that welcome all to worship, being a community that serves the greater community. Amen? Amen. All right. What's the elephant in the room? The shirt. Thank you. <laughs> Nobody really said anything. A couple of you are like, oh. What, what's the shirt about? Comics. Right? There's a new movie out. Scott, the new movie is not Marvel. It's DC. Okay, comic nerds. Get over yourselves. These are superheroes. Right? We're about to have superhero on the scene. Get your outlines out. It says uh, John chapter 1. And what's the title right underneath that? What's it say? He dwells among us. I love uh, superheroes. I love movies. You put the two together, and I'm in my happy place. My dream is one year on Christmas in the afternoon, we're going to the movies, right? And if possible, it's a hero movie, a superhero movie. Now, uh, other expectations of other family members have precluded us from that for decades. We'll see if it ever happens. Um, but... Here's my problem with superheroes. They're not real. In fact, I was thinking about it. They do nothing for me. Absolutely not. A little bit of entertainment. But then I realized superheroes actually cost me money. Why is that? You have to go see the movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, this was a gift. I didn't spend money on this. Some of you are like, oh, I'm glad you didn't spend money on that, right? Um, but superheroes, as, as we experience them, uh, they're fiction, and there's, there's really no payoff. Momentary entertainment. And then, like the usual suspects, Kaiser Soze, gone. Right? Uh, why am I drawing attention to that? Because there is a superhero that we do get something from. Now, it does cost us a little bit, costs us a lot, but the payout is greater than the cost. And I've found very few things in life that have paid off more than they've cost. Amen? That's the book of John. It's um, what some... Uh, movies would they would uh, there was a movie just came out uh, about uh, Hunger Games and, and it was the origin story, right? Where when does present where does present snow come from? All right, I, sorry, I got to speak to my movie nerds with me. Um, this is God's origin story, not so much God Himself, maybe Jesus's origin story when it comes to His humanity, and it absolutely not changes the game, but gives us. A totally different game to play and uh, this last series we did around Christmas we did six messages around um, resolving Christmas resolving the hard parts of the Christmas story uh, you know one of the great things that came out of that was this name that they called him uh, in prophecy he will be called Emmanuel right which means I read it to you six weeks in a row somebody better get this right got Emmanuel which means God with us. We're about to experience the with. 
with is about to show up. So let's jump in. Let's pray, uh, and then we'll get started. Lord, thanks for our morning. Thanks for uh, more than that, our relationship with you, and that you are real. There is a payoff. We can bank on it. Sometimes we say trust, believe, or faith. But Lord, we are grateful for what we've experienced in the past years and what we're going to experience this coming year. And as we start our first Sunday of this year, I pray that we would be rededicated to living it with you. And may we, we draw out your character, your priority, as we look at your word, what you preserved to make sure we knew, written down and saved, compiled for us. And so I pray you bless this time, bless those that hear it, and help us all to each take something away that's good for us today. May your spirit guide this, and may it glorify your son. In his name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Genesis, uh, John 1, verse 1, in the beginning, why did I almost say Genesis just now? Because it's the same beginning, right? If you go to the very beginning of the book and you open up, in the beginning, God created the heavens, and, right? That's our, that, we call that the creation account. Watch what happens here because uh, John cleverly is going to do a parallel kind of thing. It's really kind of fun. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning in Genesis, there was what? Starts with first uh, character we meet in the Bible. In the beginning, who created? Okay. Parallel. Word and God, right? And the Word was with God. Okay. So now there's two. And the Word was God. Okay. Anybody into math? Yeah. Or logic? I thought we had two. Now, now it's saying it's one. Well, which is it? Right? In Genesis, we say, and the earth was null and void, and uh, the Spirit was hovering over the surface of the waters or the depths, depending on which translation you look at. Um, now how many do we have? Three. So which one is it? One or three? Say both. Three in one oil. Yes, or eggs, right? Whites, yolk, and shell. He was in the beginning with God. He. Who's he? It's well, so far it's word, right? He is, ref, is in reference to word. He apparently the word is a he. Let's see if we can tease this out and figure out who he is and word is. All things were made through him. Well, there we got our masculine pronoun him again. So we've confirmed it's a it's a him. But it also says all things were, what's that four-letter M-A? Made. We say created. We go back to Genesis. Who says, who does it say created? God. Hmm. Well, we're, we're banking on this, uh, the word was God. We're getting parallels and multiple proofs for the same thing. All things were made through him, and without him, was not anything made that was made. Talk about convoluted sentences. How about he made everything? Nothing was made without him. If you split up the sentence into your two logical facts, there you go. So are we making a case for word being 
Someone? We're making a case for word being God. Right? Once it says it, but then it gives things that are attributed to God and says word did them. Verse 4, in him was life. Remember what happened? In Genesis, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the hover and the waters and the spirit. And, the, and he said, let there be life. And there was life. Right? Mm. And the life was the light of men. Did he say, let there be light also? You see, John is having way too much fun. Okay, Bible nerds are great. Amen. Right, he's having a great old time with this, with all this parallelism. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. In Genesis, there's a great account of what happens when the two lights are put into the sky and what it does to regulate day from night and light from dark. And, but it says it was the, was the light of men. That's a little different. So while John is doing a bunch of parallel things, he's also about to introduce some new. Right, Verse uh, 6, there, uh, there was a man sent from God whose name was John. Ooh, let's find out. Let's find out if John is the he, him that was the word during the creation and the made part. I know some of you know it's not him, but we're going to be good investigators and follow the path, right? He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might, what? Believe through him. Apparently belief is possible. We've just been introduced to this idea of belief or faith or trust. I said in the prayer as we started this morning, is God believable? Uh, last time we did the Gospel of John here at Rock Bible Church, our first series, our first sermon on this series, I talked about the idea that one of the things we get from the beginning of John is that God's believable. John the Baptist is who's being talking about here. By the way, he's different from John the author that we're reading because John the author is the disciple. John the Baptist is different. But why do both Johns write and witness? So that we have the opportunity to believe. Okay? He was not the light. Oh, so was he the word or the life? No? Okay, so we know it's not him. But came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which give light to everyone, was coming into the world. The with part, right? Among us. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. All right, now we're sounding current. We have God in the world? Absolutely. You know where we're going with this sermon, because I gave you the title already. He dwells present tense, among us. And yet, and if he's real, his uh, spirit is alive and active, that's one thing. Uh, can you go very far and find somebody who has yet to believe? Pick any station on the boob tube, get any article, any media source, at most social media stuff, and we'll find that Scripture's true. The road is narrow and few are those that find it. For some reason, belief is too much. They've yet to figure out that with a little investment, you can get a much bigger payout. Well, John and John both figured it out and they said, 
we got to understand this and you got to believe it because he came into the world and you need to know him right see that um right there this little extra visual the world did not know him i said it's possible to believe him what's it also possible to do now he could be known how about this i like saying it this way god is knowable He's believable and knowable. How cool is that? You're you're met a superhero? No. They just take your 17 bucks and make you eat bad popcorn. That's all they do. You never get to meet them. Apparently you can know God. And that happens very differently than anybody thinks. It happens very differently than any other relationship that you have. But if it's possible, my goodness, don't you have to explore it? Do the experiment? Try it? What well, are you saying, Scott, that we should be praying and things like that? Duh. <laughs> How do you think it's supposed to work? Well, I don't really feel like I experienced God. Why? My car is really dirty and it never gets cleaned. Well, do you take it to the car wash ever? No. It's basic logic. Right? So we can know him, we can believe him. He came to his own and his own people. Ooh. He has people? Can I sign up for that? <laughs> I want to sign up for one of the people. But watch this, what hap what's happens with his own people. They did not receive him. They rejected him. He's rejectable. You can deny him. You can walk. You can do your own thing. You can, um, I love what uh, Ed Noble says, and uh, I learned this from Ed probably a couple decades ago. God is missable. You can miss him. I love that. But all who did, what's that word there? Receive. What is that word? Oh! Sorry, I struggled in reading. I had to come early for early birds reading and stay for late birds reading. Apparently God is receivable. I didn't tell you that one. You came up with that one on your own. Your Honor, he's leading the witness. He's believable. He's knowable. Beyond that, if he's at a distance, is he any good? He's no good at a distance. If he's receivable, what's that say about proximity? What's that, what's that great W word that's only four letters and rhymes with? With. Yeah, with. Apparently with is possible. He dwells among us can be real or what's wrong with that sentence can be real is real right but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of God you have rights 1 John 1, 12, 
But as many as received him and believed on his name, to them they gave the right to become children of God. Thank you, Larry Vold, for making me memorize that Bible verse. Now we're talking like four decades ago. Look at your outline. First John, or John 1. He dwells among us. What's the verse I gave you? Yeah, I just went Larry Vold on you. There you go. You got your verse. You got to memorize that. That's That might be the best one in the chapter, and yet there's 50 other verses in the chapter, so we're not going to call it the best one because they're all good. Amen? But to all who have received him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Is that an equation? Wait, is that a conditional statement? Oh, you mean if I don't believe him and if I don't receive him, do I still have rights? Yes. Well, that's not really what it says. You no, know, you have rights. You've just yet to realize them. You have unrealized rights. What if you grabbed a hold of the things that God has promised you, done for you? You might have a superhero on the scene. who were born, verse 13, these children of God who become, because they have rights, they were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Did God just do something? This is post-creation. This is the first time where it says He's actually do something now. Dwells among us. Well, prove it, Scott. What's He doing now? Well, He's, he's still accepting applications. Right? Love that. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. The title was almost He Dwelt Among Us. Somehow it got changed in the uh, processing when it came from notes to the printing. Something got changed in the middle. How come? Because dwelt among us is lacking. What's it project? Past tense and dwelt. Past tense, definite action. What's a, what's a definite action? I don't know, Scott. You didn't tell me there's going to be an English lesson at church? It's Sunday, come on. I just want to watch the game. Definite action means it's over. He dwelt among us, was in the past, and it could be over. It, it dwells among us, though, projects present and put it in. In front of the definite. What's an indefinite action? He's breathing. Yes, I'm hoping that he does that indefinitely. Why? Well, he, he breathed. You like he breathed or he's breathing? Right? Because we want it. And uh, this is the fun way to say it. Ongoing action. God's an ongoing action. In fact, when you look at the verbs in Scripture, you will be blown away at how many of them are present, ongoing action. Uh, some of them are even future, ongoing action. You mean they're future, positive, indefinite? Hey, look, you just did English. Yeah, can we stop that now? Let's go back to math. <laughs> All right, we'll do that in a second here. Uh, became flesh, dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory. Glory as of 
the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Why would John say that we've seen his glory, the glory of the Father, full of grace and truth, because he's writing it after, hmm, there was some kind of big event that he must have wrote the gospel after. I wonder what it could be. What was it? Oh, his death and resurrection and ascension? You know, after the fact, it's really easy to figure out what happened. Right? If, if you're playing sports, we're, we're a little bit of a sports church. And, and you score. After the fact, you can go back and say, well, how'd that happen? Well, Johnny passed to Freddie, and Freddie passed to Juan, and Juan scored. Oh. You know, after the fact, we can look back and we can say, ooh. There was a system. There was order. It makes sense. It did work. In fact, more than we thought. And that's what John and John are giving witness to. Glory? Absolutely. Why? Because we're playing a whole different game now. What's that game full of? Grace and truth. Which I'm, I was a little bummed at because I wanted to be full of judgment And privilege. I kind of I joined Christianity so that I could have, I could be judgmental and have privilege, right? I want fire insurance from, and I want to be able to tell everybody that they're wrong. You are wrong. I'm better than you. <coughs> Apparently, that's not the game. Now, why do we keep playing it? We keep playing that game. We got to get off that game. That's not the game. Verse 15. John bore witness about him and cried out. This was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. There's God before you. It's an interesting idea. When you get to the point, when you can make the admission that God came before you, that's chronological. It's another way to think of God being before you. Priority, status, is he above you? What's the way John says? He, does he outrank you? you know, one of the far, hardest things for us to do as, as humans, let someone outrank. It's really tough. I'm practicing it. I'm, uh, I'm outranked in my own family. I'm outranked by my dog. <laughs> um, but for a real non-goofy uh, example, you know, I coach soccer at one of the local high schools, and uh, I, I've recruited a bunch of other coaches with me. Um, do you know that majority of the time I let them outrank me? Why? You're the head coach. You should be demanding everything, running everything, and making all the decisions. Who likes that guy? No one. Do you know how much fun I'm having? Letting other people be in charge and be important and run things. Right, Doug? It's, it's okay to be outranked. In fact, it's better. Someone else is responsible. Theologically, it's very difficult, though, in life and in our experience to let God outrank us and put Him before you. For from His fullness, verse 16, we have all received grace upon grace. If you do not believe and do not accept, 
your right to become a child of God. Do you still have grace upon grace? You do, but you just yet to receive it. Super simple. For the law was given through Moses, Levitical law, you can, you can, da, 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 to separate us from God. So we know the difference. So that we can make the same claim that John the Baptist makes, that he's before us, he's above us, he outranks us, he's God and we're not. But grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The First Testament, the Old Testament, fully establishes separation between us and God. How tragic and depressing. And I don't want to go to church for that. What do you need if you're fully separated from God? What do you need? I remember growing up in the church and they, we had the four spiritual laws. Remember that? Four spiritual laws, a little orange booklet. One of the little imageries is that they, there was a bridge between God and us, this bridge, that Christ was the bridge that brings us back together. If we're totally separated, what do we need? We need to be brought back together. Um, some would say reconciled. This great imagery because what we had in Genesis at the very beginning was God walking in the garden with Adam and Eve that kind of proximity that kind of connection and yet in that connection they just did whatever they want because they lacked reverence they had yet to understand who they were dealing with and so god gives us the whole first testament the old testament to say you gotta learn what was that word i just said starts with r reverence how, how much do you revere him? Now, I do know you do because it's the first Sunday of 24 and you're here. Points for you. There's a little bit of reverence to play with there. Let's invest that and see if we can get a return on it, right? And God will give you grace and truth through... Who's that guy right there? Jesus Christ? Mr. Christ. Who's that? Let's say I'm going to read and then I'm going to stop after through and y'all are going to say it, okay? Grace and truth came through. Jesus now we know who word is. Life is. Light is. Now we know who he, him is. Here's the problem with reading just a little section of Scripture. You could read the first few verses of John 1 and go, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and nothing was made that was made without Him. And then it's like, oh great, well who is that? Read a little farther. If you get down to verse uh, 17, it names them. Any, anybody like hardcore proof? Just like evidence? Facts? You know science. You know, not... Not like the science they used during COVID, but like actual science. You can prove things. I love that. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus Christ, who's on the scene, who came into the world and dwelt among us past tense. But I would make the claim, because John and John are trying to make the claim, dwells. I can't even tie his sandal. That's wonderful. Why? Well, it shows the status. Okay, that's great. But if Jesus has a sandal, what's that mean? It means he's where? 
with us? I love that. Hey, John, you don't, you don't want to do his sandal? You don't want to do the strap of his sandal? Okay, but that's not the most important thing. And by the way, if he told you to do the strap on his, on his sandal, you'd do it. Right? I would never let him wash my feet, said Peter. And then Jesus says, well, if I don't wash your feet, I can't wash any of you. You're either in or you're out. What do you think? Oh, yeah, go, go. wash my whole body then. <laughs> the idea that he has a sandal is more important that he's on the scene. We have an actual superhero who's actually here that walks in the garden, that wrestles with Jacob, that shows up at all these different times. In fact, we saw in the shortest church series we've ever had last Sunday, did a whole series in the book of Jude. Jude says it was Jesus who freed the slaves from Egypt. It's like, wait a minute, his, word, his name never comes up in the Old Testament. We want a guy with sandals, don't we? Who shows up. That's how we get grace and truth. No one has ever seen God. Verse 18. Now, see that punctuation thing? That weird? Anybody else hate punctuation? I hate punctuation. So confusing sometimes. I remember growing up and trying to learn punctuations. Period was really good. I could understand period. And the thought it's over. Comma. We're going to comment on what just was said. Then they started throwing in colons and semicolons. I later found out that colon is very much like colon for me. Just don't like the idea. What's the whole semicolon thing? You know they don't have punctuation in Hebrew? Oh, somebody decided to put a semicolon there to help you understand that we're moving from a different thought. It's not really the end of the sentence. It is the end of the sentence, but we're going to do commentary on it. It's a little more than a comma would require, but it's a little less than a colon would require. We're going to do semicolon. No one has ever seen God. End of thought. Probably we should put but in there or yet. If you replace the semicolon with yet, it makes, a sen it makes more sense. Yet, the only God who is at the Father's side has made him known. That's how the sentence starts to make sense. If you have trouble with semicolons like I do. Or read in a different translation. <laughs> right? Um, can we go back to that? Because I just spent a lot of time on punctuation and English sentence structure. <laughs> okay. What's the point? He's knowable. And it implies that he's seeable. You can see his work for sure. Great news. Verse 19. Here we go. We'll keep moving. And this is the testimony of John when the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? He confessed, did not deny, but confessed, I am not the who? Okay, so Jesus Christ was named him twice. And they asked him, well, what then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? Nope. They said, well, who are you? 
We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? Thank you. He said, I'm the voice of the one crying in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord. As the prophet Isaiah said. Ooh. Now he'd been sent by the Pharisees. Who cares? Anybody like the Pharisees? I'm, I'm tired of the Pharisees. Why would Pharisees, why do they keep getting billing? Why, do they, why is he even in, in this section? Why, do we really need the parentheses? And that little bit, piece of information? Yes, we do. Why? Because we just quoted. What did we quote? Um, I'm guessing it was prophecy from the First Testament. Good guess. I'm, anybody want to venture a guess which prophet we... It starts with I, Isaiah. Okay. Um, and it's actually chapter 40. Who would know that? I mean, besides you. Congratulations to you that knew that. The Pharisees. They should get this reference, is what John, the author, is making clear that John the Baptist was communicating because both of them are saying, look, you should know this. Watch what they ask. They ask him, then why are you baptizing if you are neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? Okay, we know who uh, Elijah is. Uh, the prophet is a reference to a prophecy that there will be a prophet at end times coming in the future. But what's the first admission they make? If you are neither the... Oh, so the Pharisees did know about Christ. They did know Christ was supposed to come. In fact, they were just quoted the verse from Isaiah chapter 40. Very beginning of 40, by the way. And yet they're asking all the wrong questions. Who are you? Are you Elijah? Are you the prophet? Are you the, right? As soon as they, he quotes this and gives them reference to Isaiah 40, what, what, what should the real question be? Wait, if you're the one crying in the wilderness, make straight the way of the Lord, then the, the real question should be, where's the Lord? Where's the Christ? Where's the Messiah? We say Messiah. Where is he? Instead, they say, hey, how come you're doing baptism? What? You mean judgment and privilege? Only certain people can baptize and you get to be judged now? No, you should be looking for the Christ. They're asking all the wrong questions. Luckily, none of you all ever ask the wrong questions. Amen? Uh. John answered, I baptize with water, but among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. There we go for our reference. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan where John was baptizing. Wow. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen. We're stopping at verse 28 today. We'll continue with verse 29 because it's the next day, right? Um, but notice uh, God was letting John do baptism, kind of letting him outrank him for a minute, or at least in that task for a bit. How do we, how do we respond to He dwells among us? How do we receive Him, believe Him? I think um, what we have to do is we have to acknowledge some things. And the first 
is that Jesus, if Jesus dwelt among us, it says he became flesh, right? Uh, Jesus dwells with, among us in the flesh. It, it, what do we need to know or believe about that? It, Jesus in the flesh is at least three things the passage claims. One is he's word, right? What does that mean? If you, if you hear a word, I just gave it away. If you blank a word, if you hear a word, it makes you think. Word means hear and think. There's stuff about God that's hearable. God Himself is hearable. He's got things to say. There's truth out there. It makes sense. It's logical. You can think about it. Understand. It's wonderful. I love one of the verses that let let no one boast, but let him let him who boasts boast in this that he knows and understands me, God speaking. God's apparently understandable. Rather than uh, being this obscure superhero that's off in the distance that you never have experienced it, no, 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 we get communication with him. Look at this. Apparently, there's some word. And I love what um, John does because he writes this in the style of Genesis. But he references Isaiah 40. Right? Make straight the path of the wilderness. Right? You guys ever heard that phrase, um, grass withers and the flower fades? You heard that one, right? How's it end? But a word of the Lord stands forever. Any guesses on where you find that at the very end of a chapter in the Bible? Hey, good guess. Isaiah chapter 40, last verse. Grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. He references this thing a couple different ways and plays on the word thing and says, look, all that is God manifests itself fleshly. All that truth, right? He was made known grace and truth, right? has become flesh he's hearable he's understandable it means we can hear and think about him too what is light light is see right you see light and when you see light then you can observe things oh now the lights are on i can see howard is here now you can talk to howard right now you can see Changes everything. You can observe things. Is God seeable? Passage plays that out later. What can we observe? It's unlimited. Unlimited what we can see when God shows up on the scene. Pretty cool. We're covering all the uh, basic senses, aren't we? How about life? What's life? Life is experience. We get to experience God. When God comes on the scenes and puts on his sandals and starts walking around, apparently enough that his feet could get dirty because they start washing feet, you can make no argument that he wasn't here. And you can make great arguments about what he says, what he does, what you watch, how you experience. Because at some point, I mean, you have this great superhero, but if you never get to do anything with him, 
if you never have an experience with him, it's like knowing that you had a sperm donor, but you never met your dad. Never spent any time with him. Yeah, he existed at some point. Never met him. How terrible. And what's great about an adopted dad? Well, he's not my biological father. Yeah, who cares? Why? Because your whole life you experienced him. It's wonderful, right? Life is experience. It's also relate. You can relate to another life. I turn on the lights and I see Howie's there. Well, now I can, hey, Howie, how's it going? Now we're relating. Now we're communicating. Interacting, right? Lastly, feel. Did we cover the think part? Yeah. There's, there's two aspects of life, right? There's thinking and there's feeling. All your experiences are going to fall into both categories. Thinking and feeling. What's being said about Jesus in the flesh? He encompasses it all. Amen? How cool is that? Because that now we have a real superhero. Now we have somebody who's worth dwelling with. Alright, well what do we do? In our flesh, what can we do in response to these three things? Well, we can believe His character. That's an intellectual statement, yeah? yeah I'm not sure how it works, but apparently He was here and Walking on water is hard to understand. I don't know, but I'm going to try to believe it and figure it out along the way. Prayer works? Mm, I'll try it. I'm going to believe it before I actually experience it working so that I try it. Right? But even the demons believe, right? That Jesus is real? So is believing enough? Apparently not. We got the equation. Where is it? Verse 12. Top of your outline. Right? What's the second piece? you got to receive it. You've got to receive His grace and truth. You've got to say, okay, yeah, I believe it. Now I want it. You know, there's, there's, there's Jesus that you can think, you can feel, and you can observe. But at some point, you have to decide, do you want it? Because uh, there's some costs, right? It's a little more than 17 bucks and bad popcorn. You're going to have to try some things. You're going to have to give up some things. That's called receiving. That's an admission of someone outranks you. That you're going to try. And then ultimately, last, know him. How does know him happen? Well, the first two. When you start acting on it. When you start trying on it. In fact, all three of those fill-ins fall under one category in English structure. What type of words are to believe, to receive, and to know? Those are all called, starts with V. Right? They're all verbs. Who's doing the acting now? Ooh. See, in the first set I gave you, Jesus doing all the acting. Now, in this set, we're doing all the acting. And we've got to decide that we're going to do it and follow through with it. Why? 
because becoming his, last one, becoming his requires a ranking update. Right? What did John the Baptist say? He, uh, it's above my rank. Can't even tie his shoes. I know a strap of the sandal, but we don't do that anymore. What's going on there? Becoming his requires a ranking update. That's a decision, right? He makes the rules now. He does the measurement. He does the judgment. He's the one with privilege. And I follow along and figure out what can I accept? I was talking to someone the other day. They suggested this concept to me that acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. And I was like, I don't know if I like that. There's a lot of things I don't want to accept. Right? He said, no, acceptance is... Why? Because when you accept, you realize you're outranked. Whatever's going on, whatever they decide, whatever they do, whatever gets voted in or voted out or time runs out or whatever, you got to deal with it. It's a ranking update. I have, a, um, I have an app on my phone because when coaching at the high school, you play games and over time you have wins and losses and ties and things like that and you score goals and, or you don't score goals or you give up goals and, and you compare that to other schools and, and they come up with rankings. And every week, towards the end of the week, I get an alert on my phone. Amador Valley has a rankings update. I'm always opening it, checking it. Where do we rank? Nationally, we're 5,632. That's wrong. <laughs> right? Do I ever say that? No. That's where I'm ranked. In the state of California, this is our ranking. In Northern California, this is our ranking. In the uh, North Coast sectional, whatever, in the, in the EBA uh, elf or, or the and, uh, Division I schools, there's got all these different rankings. And now I can argue with them all I want, right? Yeah, we can always argue, right? We've got a whole profession for that, right? Lawyers? Or, or I can accept it, more importantly, Judging it or accepting it, there's something way more important in it. Put the phone down and go win some freaking games. Let's go. Is right. The key is start acting on it. And we can get all caught up in the rankings. What's our update? How many followers do I have? You know, all that kind of stuff. Who cares? Be yourself. Decide to act on what he's already acting on. Love that. It's going to be awesome. We're in the Gospel of John and Jesus on the scene now. Well, wait a minute, Scott. We've gone 28 verses and we've talked about Jesus and John and John and Pharisees. Jesus hasn't actually shown up on the scene yet. <gasps> trailer 
next week, verse 29 starts with, and the next day. He's going to be alive and active. He's going to start saying things and doing things. And we're going to draw things out, grace and truth out. And we're going to learn how to act. More importantly, we're going to learn who he is, what to believe, what to receive. And we'll start to know him. Amen? Uh, you can decide that today. First day, first Sunday of the new year, you can decide Hey, from now on, I, this is what I accept. This is what I believe. I receive you into my life. I understand what happened on the cross. I want understand what happened after the cross. I understand what happened before the cross. That it all leads up from Genesis all the way up to that. And it continues to comment all the way up through Revelation. And I want to start it today. Your prayer today could be, Lord, dwell with me. If that's your prayer, if you've never said that, I'm talking to those who've never accepted Christ as their Savior and Lord. You could say that prayer. Lord, dwell with me. Amen? Lord, thanks for what we're uh, hearing and beginning today. Pray that you would guide us and help us understand. You're believable, receivable, knowable. You were expected. Isaiah told us you were coming. Many more. Help us to experience it, Lord. To know you. We thank you for the offering that we're about to receive, Lord. We pray that you would bless it. Help us be the church this year that you want us to be. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. tradition the first Sunday of the month to do communion we have bread pre-broken you just take a piece dip it in here because it says on, that Jesus took the bread he dipped it in the wine he said this is my body broken for you and this is my blood shed for you and then he went and did it next day right that was Thursday night Friday he acted. I says, do this often. Remember me. And it's a great opportunity for us to spend time with him. Ask, God, how do you want to dwell with me? How do you want me to dwell with you? We got a station over here. We got a station over there. If you're not the gluten type, we've got little crackers in the front. Okay. So there's bread here, a little cup of crackers. Uh, so come up on either side. Lord, thanks for your sacrifice and what it proves to us. How valuable and important we are. Who you are, what's important to you, what you're capable of. Pray we take that and run with it. Let you dwell with us. May we all participate with your spirit in this. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Come on down.
may we act like he's acting. Amen? Amen. Go with him.